Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena Delval, and my guest is Mabel Valdivieso, Principal of Haiku Films. Today we will discuss producing and marketing films for Hispanic audiences. Mabel is a writer, director, and producer of short films. Some of the projects she has worked with in the last few years include The Water's Muse in 2000, which was screened at the International Latino Film Festival in San Francisco. In 2003, Mabel edited the feature-length narratives Counting the Days and My Camera. She recently completed the script for a Canadian feature-length documentary in Spanish called Memorias de un Soñador, Spanish for Memories of a Dreamer. In 2005, Mabel was series producer and editor of Talk Back at PCTV, the Peralta Community College television station. The program addressed the issues faced by San Francisco's East Bay communities. In 2006, she directed and produced Strange Machines Music Boxes, which was screened at the De Young Museum, also in San Francisco. Born in Lima, Peru, Mabel is in the process of developing a feature movie titled Soledad is Gone Forever about the long-term psychological consequences of political persecution. She is also developing Silhouettes, a series of short documentaries exploring emigration and immigration through the eyes of Carlos Cartagena, a Salvadorian-born artist, and his interaction with immigrants in cities across the nation. Mabel serves as co-chair of the San Francisco chapter of the National Association of Latino Producers, NALI. Mabel, we're very excited to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity. I'm so excited to uh, talk to you from here in San Francisco and connect with the um, community that um, you're uh, you represent and you connect with in uh, terms of uh, you know the audience that uh, is driven to uh, to what you you are representing as well. Mabel, let's start with a really what would seem a really simple question, and that is writing, directing, and producing. Mabel, let's start talking about what you do. What exactly does it entail to direct and produce a movie? Can you? Absolutely. Um, well, it's interesting that uh, a lot of independent filmmakers um, do uh, many times it's very common to find uh, filmmakers who take on uh, two major roles, essential roles, I would say, as both director and producer. I find myself, or I have found myself, uh, partly choosing this path um, because it kind of allows me for... Uh, enables me to have more creative control of the content of the material that I want to uh, explore and develop and, and present to the world, but also because uh, for independent filmmakers, a lot of these uh, efforts are very based on grassroots, you know, actions, if you call it, so that um, uh, there is always uh, the challenge of finding funding So I found myself that uh, I had to take those two roles in order to uh, pursue, you know, 
be able to complete a piece. I think that what really defines a producer and, um, a, first of all, a producer is the fact that, you know, there is an idea that needs to be developed and you either hi hire a writer or you do it as a producer, you become the writer. So that, for instance, happen, has happened in, in many of my projects where, uh, okay, there is, it's just an idea, and we all have ideas, but uh, until we don't develop that, it's just that. You know, it can be the most amazing idea, but it needs to be developed in order to become what you call a pitch, right? A pitch where you have this uh, hopefully high concept that it can immediately be uh, recognized as a product with a lot of potential, uh, with an audience in, our audience in mind, and they can generate um, revenue, they can generate interest in a particular niche community or in a more mainstream uh, audience. So, but a producer doesn't stop there, really, is the driven force, I believe, for, uh, for any uh, film, uh, whether it's uh, mainstream or independent, to, um, is the driven force to really have, take the project whatever it takes and whatever route you take to complete it basically from the first development of that material until it's, it's, it's shot, it's edited and uh, it's uh, finished and, and then it's distributed that's basically the essential role of a producer many times um, there are times where uh, there are, and there are different kinds of producers but um, I think my role is more about being a creative producer in the sense that I do, first of all, in, in my case, I'm filling two roles most of the time, director producer. So um, I always want the director side of me to um, give enough freedom to this director heart, the director role that I have for me as a producer, complement that so that if I have, a, say, a particular vision of how the film is going to be, whether it's about, um, you know, a more artistic endeavor or whether it's about a more political aspect or a more personal kind of story, let the director really explore all the creative possibilities of that project and not put a, uh, you know, a stop to that, you know. Uh, I have worked also with producers who have helped me, you know, while I'm being one of the producers in the film, maybe at times, when the project needs to have another producer, I would uh, outreach and look for other producers to help me complement, uh, you know, my producer role, you know, because um, you want to be very objective and, you know, uh, you also want to surround, uh, uh, surround yourself with really good, talented people, which there are many in the Latino community. So... Um, I would say that's the definition uh, to me as a producer and a director, you know, uh, a director gets involved in a project normally but not necessarily uh, uh, in the same fashion. Um, you know, once there is script, uh, once there is treatment, something very detailed and developed, the director would get involved in this material and say, okay, I want to be involved in this film and go ahead and and do the more uh, on-location shoot the material, you know, go and record the material with video or film or any other new technology that is 
excitingly uh, being developed now. And, um, uh, you know, most likely a director will be involved during that what we call production time because there are basically three stages of filmmaking. One is everything that takes for developing the material, doing the pre-production of that, then going into location and doing the actual production. That's where a director will be involved. And then there is the post-production aspect where, you know, you have an editor, the producer takes on and uh, again, and then the distribution aspect of that. Is it common for one person to do the directing, the producing, and even the writing when you're dealing with short films? Uh-huh. You know, actually it is. It is very common. Um, the reason why I think the scope of the project is manageable, first of all, I think it's very manageable to do so. And and second, I think that also um, it, it depends. It, uh, the nature of certain films, uh, they're very personal films, and it, it sense that uh, that director is also the producer, is also the writer and the editor. But there are times where you need, you know, um, and I think that it's very important to keep a uh, perspective on that when you really need uh, to associate, to work with others, uh, to have producers, to have other, you know, in one of um, my first film, The Water's News, I did it all of that, but I have a cinematographer. I have assistants, I have a costume person, I have actors, obviously. <laughs> um, um, and, I, and I have uh, a lighting, you know, but I, I was taking on all those roles, and it was more an experimental piece, experimental narrative piece. When I was uh, working as a series producer uh, for this TV uh, show, uh, Talkback, you know, we have this uh, TV station with very, uh, I would say, our resources would be somewhat limited, and um, you know we couldn't necessarily, you know, hire you know larger staff. So I took on the role of being the <clears throat> the writer of you know developing the the show, what the show it would be about, and I work with an executive producer who oversee uh, what you know, the angle of the story would be and will actually uh, brainstorm together. You know, I was a series producer, but I was working on an executive producer at that level and other associate producers. And in um, there, I was a writer and then, uh, you know, oversee the, the vision of the, of the show to keep the consistency of the show, you know, because we're working with... Uh, every associate producer is bringing another piece, and we need to make sure that that there is a cohesive message, uh, and there is, uh, you know, that also that the look and feel of the program have a similar look. Uh, really, uh, it should be, uh, you know, something that could be uh, really um, in the same style. And so that uh, that was a very good learning experience. I call it like a boot camp, you know, where I really tested a lot of. Uh, aspects of producing and really challenged me to work at that level for cable television. And in there, I, you know, I was also the senior editor, uh, partly because I have the most experience in post-production. You know, it, it, so it was kind of, a, in a way, it kind of reminded me of the sentence filmmaking, but for te- television. And then for, um, for instance, for Soledad, while I've been the main producer, I have other producers uh, helping me in, uh, in, in different times when I was actually on production, I hire uh, a producer to help me during that time. So 
I delegated my producing role at the time of shooting to another producer and then, you know, kind of came back to take it all during post-production and obviously during development I did that too. I, I have been the, you know, the main producer on, on that, uh, on this piece. So uh, there's uh, aspects of flexibility, you know, sometimes you just have one producer and that's it and sometimes you may uh, find out that you need more support, health, and all that. And really, many times it depends on the budget of the film, the scope of the film, the complexity of it, and all the issues that are, are part of that, partly logistic, partly budget, partly uh, content-wise. I've noticed that many of your films, or perhaps all of them, I don't know, are oriented to Hispanic and sometimes Spanish language themes. Is that on purpose? Well, um, it's an interesting question uh, because um, the, I think that I definitely have a, uh, uh, definitely there is a, subconsciously there is an aspect, uh, there, there is some, there is a very subconscious reason, I would say, that always motivates me to um, to come to find a story that re- relates to a experience that either I have seen um, uh, unfolding in front of my eyes or I have heard about or um, I have lived that myself. Um, and because um, the also the other reason I think is that very and I think it happens in all cultures, but um, I connect a lot with the, the storytelling that there is in a formal or informal way, either through books, but also through just uh, regular people in our society in the Latino community, where we have wonderful storytellers that. Uh, amaze us, you know, coming from my own family to uh, friends of mine and to uh, people that, you know, I constantly see. Uh, and there is stories, uh, aspects of stories that suddenly kind of click or uh, motivate me to take it farther and then develop that into something else that becomes this kind of story. You know, I think that that's the subconscious part of it. And the conscious part of that is that I think that... Uh, there, yes, there is. Um, I I feel really, um, I would say, strongly motivated to, um, at, at this level, you know, I'm more, uh, you know, conscious about it. Being um, wanted to uh, bring a perspective of Latinos and our lives here or anywhere else in the world um, to bring that slice of life and present it to the world, present it to the audience, and be able to say, this is who we are, and um, this is an aspect of our life. Um, we ha- we're very complex as all humans, but this is maybe an aspect of the Latino life that it has not been seen so much on screen. And, and you know, it's so difficult to find these stories. I'm unhappy so happy now that I think there's we as Latino filmmakers have a lot more momentum in, in this country now because our pieces are being more viewed as more uh, 
uh, I think um, maybe perhaps the main, mainstream is finally realizing that there is a big potential for Latino films as we have here in the last years, you know, uh, with some seminar works coming a lot from Mexico uh, and, and other countries. Uh, and being done here, that there is a great potential for uh, these films to be successful at a, at a financial level, you know, and, and that definitely is going to help not always, or not also, not only to bring our voices, but also to develop a healthier, stronger film, uh, Latino filmmaking community in the States than anywhere else. Mabel, you think that really the mainstream movie houses, as it were, and the audience is reaching a point where they welcome the Latino films. It, are, are we there yet? Because it seems to me that a lot of the mainstream movies that are coming out are not really taking into account the interests of the Latino community. Yeah, you know, it's really it's really a hot debate, I think, because I've been studying that myself, trying to find what, how you know, projects that, like, I'm working on, uh, how can those have an appeal and find, you know, financial success and be able to take it to, uh, you know, a bigger audience. And I think that, um, I think there is definitely small steps taken. Uh, I think what's happening, and, and this is what I have experienced going to, uh, in two years in a row to a conference for, independent Latino uh, film, uh, filmmakers and producers in across the nation. There is this organization I belong to, NALIP, you know, and uh, they are based, the main offices in LA, National Association of Latino Producers. So there is this two conferences that I have gone to in just recently in March and last year. And um, uh, what's happening really is that, okay, every... Uh, uh, studio in Hollywood now, uh, they have an independent uh, division, all right, for independent films. And, yeah, and uh, between that, they have a, uh, that independent division uh, has an interest on uh, films uh, that are Latino, but are very targeted, very, very specifically targeted towards English-speaking uh, audience and uh, most likely to be in the age of 18 to uh, 24, and, and issues that are relevant to that kind of audience. And so the other studios that are not going towards that, um, you know, audience, or maybe are a combination of bilingual, or maybe are bilingual, or maybe are in Spanish, are not necessarily, you know, uh, view as something that their audience will be interested on at this time or something that uh, they find uh, potential for, uh, you know, uh, distribution. So at the same time, I, you know, always looking into what's happening in the world with, um, say, there is AOL, they have a Latino division now. Um, there is uh, a lot of other uh, companies that are starting to have a, a Latino division and in, in, in some and they are kind of exploring what stories from uh, Latinos can have that, uh, what they call that crossover quality, meaning that beyond being a niche audience, 
can also have a, an, a mainstream appeal. I think we are in a time where um, there is no formulas about it, and I think that ev everyone in the industry, starting from uh, distributors to, uh, you know, uh, directors and producers and perhaps writers um, are trying to figure out what is going to be a model of success. And it's really hard because, you know, any movie that you make, being Latino or not, it's always uh, difficult to predict that it's going to be successful because really, uh, until you take it to an audience, uh, you don't know at all. How do you decide what projects to take on is it the topic? Is it the likelihood of success? What kinds of things do you take into account, and, and how do you make that decision? Yeah, um, um, well, I can tell you um, about two possibilities uh, or two different experiences uh, with two uh, projects, two different projects I'm working on now. For instance, uh, with uh, a film that uh, have made this short that you mentioned, so that's gone forever. And now um, uh, I'm going to make that into a feature version. Uh, it's mainly my main motivation is about the content because I think that um, I think that first of all there will be an audience for that. I don't know if that will be like a you know a big audience in mainstream or not, but I think that. The content, uh, first of all, uh, there is something that I, I, I really want to accomplish here, and it's to, um, and you know, it's about the long-term uh, psychological consequences of political persecution. All right, well, through the eyes of a Latino exile living here in the States and whose experience never uh, was, she never really came to terms with uh, the lives that she had in Chile during Pinochet. And so there are many um, exiles at, at different, of different ages and different nationalities here in the States that have, they, they have been exiled from point in their lives and they have integrated to the American life, but many of them or most of them have not had a chance to uh, come to terms with that aspect of their life, you know, going back to their country or really going back uh, internally, emotionally, psychologically to um, be able to set themselves free from that, you know, heal from it. So my intention is that this is a piece that uh, is uh, very particular to uh, a Latino experience. However, I also see that there is a human universal uh, appeal to that. Um, we'll see how, you know, that is going to uh, you know, I'm always looking uh, into how to bring it to the, you know, bigger audience and, of course, in include the Latino audience on this. But, you know, I have to say that I have, have a lot of people coming to me, whether Latinos or not, and uh, relating to that film or to that story or even just to the pitch without seeing the film at all, relating to that and saying, okay, that's something that... I know I know somebody who has experienced that. You know, I hear that many times. Or they have said to me, I have experienced that in first person, or my parents did. So, and, and for me, the motivation, again, is really, while I think that an artistic piece, it would be kind of perhaps uh, pretentious to say, oh, it's going to make a change in society directly. Uh, I, I don't... I, 
don't necessarily, I can't really say that, but I think that uh, in a piece of art or a film, you know, which is kind of art and, 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 and industry, the same time, I think that it could, it has the potential to help heal uh, for uh, people to, when they watch something, to uh, open their eyes or open dialogue or maybe revise something that they they still need to uh, you know heal from, and and that's basically my intention is is that you know that maybe it, it will it'll be something uh, part of a bigger journey you know part of a bigger reconciliation process, and and I'm myself finding the story the voice of the story as something working on this. And so that now I'm going from the short to the future, now I have even a more clear idea, and I think that it's all about really healing and reconciliation. So that's, that's that piece that is very based in this content, you know. And then this other piece I've just um, been working on uh, for the last uh, March or so, it's, it's a different piece that... Um, you know, I I wanted so much to work with an artist uh, to make a TV segment for a local TV station here called Spark that actually airs nation, nationwide and it's part of the KGD, the TV system. And uh, um, first of all, I did a profile on him, and that, that's the piece on uh, Strange Machines Music Boxes. And then... You know, so I, my intention was to make this profile, to make, uh, to, to let the, uh, the world know who is this wonderful Salvadorian artist who is making these amazing interactive uh, uh, machines that he, uh, they are really uh, kind of a departure on music boxes. And through, through my uh, relationship with him, I found other stories that uh, I didn't know at first that are so uh, layered and complex as well. And um, people started to see the, the, the cut, and everybody was glued to him, and really there is some quality of his work and himself, uh, this artist, Carlos Cartagena, that I found that uh, no matter who would be, they immediately liked him. They immediately like his work. They immediately connect with him, and so I saw the potential of having this um, uh, working with him in a, a longer term. But I didn't know what would be about. And then, uh, as this develops, our relationship develops. You know, we're working on a specific relation develops. He also let me uh, have a lot of creative control from the uh, filmmaking aspect. You know. Uh, it was wonderful to work with him, really wonderful uh, artistic relationship. And then then he came up with, uh, he's already working on uh, a next project, um, you know, that he has wanted for some time now, take it at a national level or even international level. And basically, he has a, a lot of a, a really great relationship with uh, museums in California and Mexico and uh, exploring other venues as well. And um, he has this project called, um, you know, artistic project called Silhouette that is about immigration. So 
I thought, you know, wow, that sounds intriguing to me, this life-size uh, sculptures, public sculptures, working on it. Then we started to talk about it, and we said, well, you know, we should do that. We should, um, and then I saw the potential, actually. You know, yes, there is a migration issue that is so debated right now, and we thought, well, that would be something where, you know, it, it, as you know, as we all know, but sometimes people forget, immigration is an issue that should be really explored in all its complexity and not take like black, uh, like what I call it, black and white sides to, uh, you know, positions, you know, because there's so much in it. So I thought, okay, would it be wonderful to explore this issue of immigration with him, go along with him and just follow uh, Cinema Verity's style and let him do what he's doing because he's doing just an amazing job and I, ha I just would be like the observer anthropologist in a Cinema Verity style where uh, he's going to be interacting with his immigrant audiences in many cities. And uh, this also will be something very valuable to the immigrant community because it's something that will be about them from a different perspective, you know, where uh, it's this intimate, poetic, uh, artistic perspective uh, that he brings, and, but at the same time there is this social issue, this, this, there is this political content there, you know, that is all uh, put together into this amazing scene and then people can take their own, uh, make their own opinions out of it, you know. So um, we, we thought that... Um, basically making this other project, it's, it's very timely, uh, and perhaps that's the reason why uh, I submitted to uh, WGBH in, uh, uh, in Boston, which is a PBS station. They have this context called 655 Shorts, and they actually have, it's um, WGBLH in Boston. They have a lab. Uh, it's it's kind of like a digital lab where uh, independent producers, filmmakers from across the nation, uh, Latinos or not, uh, send their work. And we're lucky or very glad to say that we are the top ten finalists with this piece. And so we're hoping to uh, go into the second phase and being able to uh, uh, work with them. Um, but um, whatever happens, we'll go ahead and, and make this uh, series of shorts every city will be assured and I think that also uh, that sh um, uh, what I'm working on is I'm doing it in a way that uh, those shorts, if you link them together, could be uh, also a bigger um, longer uh, say one hour uh, documentary. How do you how do you define your focus in terms of marketing so, for example, once you take a project such as Soledad is Gone Forever or Silhouettes, where you're, you're very passionate about the, the topic, and at the same time you have to go out and do some fundraising or, or some sponsorship raising, right? How, how do you go about marketing the film and reaching your target audience? Yeah, um, well... For market, um, for instance, with Soledad is Gone Forever, um, I, re I realize um, that uh, I also have my, um, there is, you know, in, in my team, uh, Heiko Soms, I have the managing director of Heiko Soms, who is uh, my partner, Cesar Viana, 
and um, he's also, uh, you know, uh, producing uh, Soledad with me at this stage, and um, he has a marketing background, and uh, more than I, I, um, I do, and I'm being learning from from this, from this, you know, um, how to go about this. So basically, it's been a, a lot about fi- fine-tuning our uh, a, our pitch or our presentation to the world, and and I think it, it's, it's been a process where uh, more and more clearly we see uh, what kind of audience. Um, that it has or is going to have in the future. Um, I we have done a series of uh, very interesting, very effective, I would say, uh, grassroots campaign. At some point uh, earlier on the process, um, before production and during production, we have the luxury of having a PR person with us, and uh, uh, that was that was instrumental to prepare the materials and to uh, um, help us focus um, how we want to present the film to the world. And we were, we haven't still shot one single <laughs> uh, feed of film. And, um, but then it's been really uh, ourselves, you know, marketing in this. And what it has, what I call a grassroots campaign have basically won um we found out that press releases can be really effective, and uh, you know we you know have press releases at every milestone milestone of the project. For instance, with um, one uh, say accomplishment back in August last year, 2005, um, Soledad as a script script of Soledad actually got in chosen to participate in this uh, wonderful writer's lab here in uh, northern, uh, uh, well, in Tahoe, actually. And, um, and uh, it's, a, uh, it's a very prestigious um, screenwriting uh, workshop called Squaw Valley Screenwriting Workshop in 2005. And we produced a press release for that and have the director and other people, uh, and mentors of the program, you know, um, it says something about what it was compelling about it, and um, we put it out there to the world. And we have sent our, um, you know, a lot of um, uh, our marketing material, press releases, and so forth to a number of local Latino and non-Latino organizations. And I have to say that our Latino organizations, uh, including the LEAD, that have a newsletter, and any other newsletters, um, and and also uh, publications that are Latino have really been very helpful with us. They believe in us from the beginning. They found the subject very compelling. They found that the story is something that maybe uh, is something that have not been necessarily uh, explored as much, or maybe uh, not really. And so, um, and we have you know wonderful collaterals or or. If you know, photo that would represent the film and so forth, and and so we got some media coverage, and definitely. But what I, I started to notice about around that time was that I would sometimes receive uh, an email from an actor in LA, you know, and I have gone to LA to do uh, uh, my part of my casting process. I have to look, do a national search for. <laughs> For that lead actress, I couldn't find a bilingual actress 
in my city that was appropriate for this role, so I have to look farther. But in the process of searching, uh, or actually a searching for an elite access, uh, searching for uh, funding, uh, searching for a DP or a composer. In that process, I put out these notices out there to the filmmaking community and also to obviously to the Latino filmmaking community. And I think the people remember this. To the point, as I said, like I would have people want, here and there ask personal emailing me and say, I hear about your film in this festival. And I go, how can you hear about my film? Just, We're not in the festival. <laughs> But uh, it seems like there is a memory about it that the film industry finds it compelling, that they will know about it, to the point that when I went to this conference in March last year, to an elite conference, uh, I went there with my lead actress, and she's amazing, uh, really good actress, very talented, a Venezuelan-born art actress, who is going to go back to Florida here, you know, for uh, to work in television uh, in Florida. and. We, when we were there, we were completely thrilled, really, really amazed at the fact that many people didn't know me physically or haven't met me before or my actress necessarily there. But they were asking us, they were coming to me and they say, are you the director of Soledad is gone forever? Or they were saying to my actress, are you Soledad? <laughs> it was really amazing. So I thought, what have we done that is working really well? And I really think that part of that was the press releases, part of that was our national search for like uh, really good talent, and uh, part of that was the fact that I think that the Latino community, you know, with all our nationalities and all our you know backgrounds, uh, we really help each other out. So that was for that project for um, Story That Gone Forever, and for. Um, now for this other film, uh, which is called Silhouette, this proposal, um, you know, that I have, is uh, I just team with my assistant uh, this weekend, and we're going to do a grassroots campaign to really put the word out that we're finalists with, um, with this project, and we want to obviously win this contest and be able to make uh, the first installment of Silhouette in a city. Um, that could be Mexico or or New, uh, Mexico, Mexico City, or it could be uh, uh, San Jose in California. It's going to be one of the two, and uh, we're going to do a really, really grassroots campaigns at the Latino immigration uh, associations, organizations, uh, artistic organizations, uh, obviously press releases as well. But it's going to be a very kind of more uh, targeting the activism uh, in immigration and also just a broader uh, Latino audience and, uh, and also community of immigrants to get to know about the project, have them go to the website and uh, look at the film, watch the film, and then uh, leave comments. And if they like it, please vote for that. So that's, that's going to be our strategy with that. Based on your experience, Mabel, what would you recommend to marketers who are eager to reach the growing Latino demographic, what kinds of strategies, what kinds of lessons have you learned from your filmmaking and producing that you might be able to share? Yeah, I think that, um, well, um, it's definitely, I think that publicity for a film project is really, 
challenge was many times, there'll be times where, um, you know, I would be talking to, say, a journalist, uh, journalist or, or I have um, people who were involved in, in PR and marketing that uh, perhaps believe that their assumption maybe was that they wanted to be involved when the film is finished. Uh, however, w what I learned from this is that really it's even more powerful and while obviously it's more involved and while it's always a matter of budget, you know, of a budget as well, I think that uh, especially an independent project, but any other kind of project, I believe, can have a huge benefit and can have a wider uh, possibility of being successful if there is uh, a, a marketing component with publicity and everything from day one, from the time from you are developing the material, from the time where you are, you know, in, in pre-production, from the time where you are in production. Um, while it's typical to have a film, you know, being promoted after it's done, um, my learning experience is that the reason why, even with this short, which is just at the moment a short, you know, we're not yet um, making the feature length film, although I'm starting to develop that now, uh, I have found that I have, a, um, you know, a very substantial following, Soledad. And I think that the main reason for that is because, uh, first of all, I think that people recognize the passion and energy that a producer, maybe like myself, is putting on there, and they see that uh, it's, it's very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe inspiring to see that, uh, all right, well, you know, maybe we didn't necessarily have, like, a big budget to, like, you know, work with a, a more altogether uh with publicity and all that, but however, we did that in our stuff. You know, um, my partner having a background in marketing also helped a lot, obviously. And so um, we know that if we didn't do any of those steps, if we didn't, like, you know, take it to the world for all our uh, successes, you know, that a, in a way you can say, okay, well, those are not, it's not, it's not releasing the song, but, but those are important successes that show that the material is of uh, content-wise, uh, has a good quality, you know, it's a strong piece, story-wise, content-wise, and also there is some uh, really uh, a mind behind that is making that vision of the project strong, and then our accomplishments with having Kodak, for instance, donated film stock for the whole film, or having a local post-production facility, which uh, would normally pay thousands of dollars for that um, in kind in our project to do the color correction and HD, get a, get the film to HD. Um, so for us, every every success that we had, we turn it into something that we will share it with the world. And I think that I think that what I'm trying to say is that I would say that I found it a good model. I found that. It's definitely uh, more to do for the producer. It's much more work, but at the same time, um, having a team is really important. And I think that that is, a, you know, what really is uh, independent filmmaking at the grassroots level. 
I think that if now, for instance, we have the intention of uh, starting looking into blog, doing blogs, you know, getting a blogger involved and really do more like a, what you call a vital, uh, a vital uh, campaign, by vital marketing campaign, and really take the firm to a higher level. But all these smaller steps that we took have taken us to this point where, uh, you know, we've been, we have contact. Like the other day, we have uh, someone from the National Film Board of Canada who I have no direct contact with at all uh, calling me and asking me about the benefit, and they actually sent someone to, to the benefit. And this is there in New York. They have a, a, an office in New York, but he said, uh, the branch manager called me and he said, you know, we are uh, very uh, curious about your short film. Can we send someone to the, uh, to, the uh, to your benefit? And I said, I would be pleased, you know, to do so. And uh, this wouldn't happen if, if, if we didn't put ourselves out there. Would you tell our listeners what you're, what you're referring to in terms of the benefit? Because I was actually going to ask you about that. One yeah. of the things that you did recently. Right. Well, um, we needed to, um, we have, um, the shore is basically at this point pretty much ready for uh, distribution. Um, I would say 99%. We are just, um, before our benefit, basically uh, we have a really wonderful sound designer, a local post-production soundhouse that have done our surround sound in Dolby for the film, and it sounds so beautiful and amazing. So we need to raise money to um, pay for his services, and also we're hoping to get additional money to put that into developing the visual and film. So we decided to put a uh, benefit out there. I also have to say that um, for short films, narrative film shorts, it's really hard to get grants. In our case, I was told that from day one, but I didn't get the scholarship to make the film. <laughs> I had to make the film. So I had to look, think outside the box. So the, the natural, the natural uh, thinking was, let's do benefits. Let's do a uh, silent auction or live auction uh, with art. So what we did was um, a benefit with a combination of a cocktail party and a uh, silent auction with artwork from local international artists, including uh, an artist who... Our main character in the film, uh, her name is Soledad Gonzalez, and she's a photographer who is, uh, makes portraits of uh, uh, little girls, and it has to do with her own story, but in a very subconscious level. So the woman, the, the amazing photographer who took pictures of her artwork and portrayed as if this is Soledad's artwork in the film, uh, her also, also her artwork that was in in the film uh, was also in the benefit, and people really were driven to that. Uh, I think the most successful pieces were actually those photos, you know, so we sold um, uh, many of them, and basically, um, you know, this this was the time, like, you just can't believe, like, the level of, of response that I found from the, from in San Francisco here, That that's where I, uh, when I mentioned we have a big following. We do, actually. Uh, and I know this now because uh, our benefit, uh, we did it in this college. It's a new college of California, and the Dino Humanities has been a very 
support uh, su supporting our efforts from uh, day one, including doing the casting and auditions in their facilities. And so um, it was natural to do the benefit there in their space. And uh, we have this, you know, set up kind of gallery style with a cocktail party. We have a lot of uh, local businesses, um, including Peruvian restaurants, importers of what you call Pisco. And Pisco, for many of you may know this, but many maybe um, need to know that Pisco is made, it's sort of like a, Pisco um, is a drink that comes from grapes. It's a white drink, uh, maybe similar to not 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 the same, but I'll co maybe compare it with tequila or with rum in a way, you know. So they make this wonderful pisco sour. So we have like all these uh, businesses, you know, bringing their food, donating food, wine, uh, and making pisco right there in front of the audience for people to enjoy the evening. Musicians. Uh, uh, musicians to come in to uh, play, you know, uh, their uh, music to our benefit. And, and among that, we have the founder of the Latino International Film Festival actually uh, presenting the film and uh, asking for support to the uh, audience. We also have, uh, you know, local uh, filmmakers from different organizations coming to our event. And mostly we have this huge crowd of supporters from business, you know, uh, uh, people who are in, in the business world and people who are in the arts world and people who are, you know, part of uh, organizations that are looking to look towards the well-being of exiles or Latinos in general. <laughs> they came to our event and it was huge. It was so huge that I thought, wow, the, the place is, uh, <laughs> needed to be twice as big <laughs> for, for the amount of people that show up to come and actually we have our basically we show the film uh, to the audience and uh, we have a really amazing uh, response from them they were very thrilled by that you know and we were able to raise the money that we needed to complete that phase of our film so basically now the film is in the hands of the um, color correction facility where um, I'm going to uh, go there again with my DP and work with a color correction artist who, in my opinion, is uh, uh, the most talented here in San Francisco. His name is Chris Martin from Post. And then uh, we'll be ready for the film festival. So essentially, just to recap, you organized a screening and fundraiser for Soledad is Gone Forever, where you got local businesses and other acquaintances to support your event and contribute items for a fundraiser, including photographs, because, of course, that linked with the main character of the movie. Yes. Yeah, including photographs and then, obviously, other pieces of artwork, really beautiful uh, paintings, uh, prints, and, uh, and more photographs as well. It was a visual art silent auction. Now, we're planning to do in December, we have a wonderful curator, and we're planning to do in December a, a live auction with a woman's, uh, with uh, featuring women-only uh, artwork. And the reason why is because, again, about going about strategies. Since the film is about a woman's journey, uh, we've, we've 
found that uh, we always want to make it interest, interested and different every time we don't benefit, you know. This is the same time last Friday that we did a, a benefit with uh, an auction. The first time we did a live auction uh, last June, last year. This time we have done uh, a silent auction with a cocktail party, kind of both together. Uh, in December we'll do a more Yes, a live auction. Uh, just focus on that, you know, and have a have a, a, uh, a participating women artists uh, in the show, you know, because uh, we wanna we we feel like at that point we'll have this we we have the potential for getting really amazing pieces of artwork um, with a lot of time and also that it can be targeted towards. Um, a different kind of audience that are more uh, the collectors, the, you know, the uh, people, patrons of the art, uh, collectors who are maybe interested in those pieces. So, yes, it's been really interesting, you know, and I, uh, we're finding, you know, we're finding ourselves to be successful at that level and, you know, want to continue to be able to, <laughs> and this, uh, you know, challenging aspect, which is always fundraising. What advice would you share, three short tips that you would share with marketers who want to reach Latinos, not necessarily film producers, but just anybody who wants to reach out to Latinos based on what you have learned from your recent experiences? What three things would you say to them? Um, I think that learning about their idiosyncrasies and you know, their experiences as Latinos would be number one. I think it will be important to learn because we are Latinos and there are many differences among us, right? So I would say that perhaps the first one would be um, learning those uh, similarities or differences and, you know, acknowledging those similarities or differences to um, really bring their lives out, you know, like really uh, share their life with an audience, whether it's song, whether it's music, whether it's any other expression of art, whether it's uh, topics that are, um, you know, explore any part of, uh, a, a, you know, there are more, um, you know, aspects of whether it's health, immigration, etc. I think that getting to know First of all, your audience is really important, and and so acknowledging the audience, honor honoring the audience is really important. Um, another tip uh, would be, um, and that it's kind of part of that too, is really to I would say explore that the presences, explore that that what they are into, what it is that they like, or they don't like, what it is that they, they, they want to be involved with, kind of explore or really study the audience at that demographic level is also important. I also think that while the 18 to 24 audience is the one that has been so far the more targeted marketing-wise, media-wise, especially media-wise, it's been the 18 to 24 age is the age that I constantly hear from companies, distribution or TV station or so, for wanting to make, uh, they always wanted to make more content for this audience. But I 
wonder, you know, where is where are the other audiences, the ones before 18, the 14 to 18, or what are the other ones, the 24 to 35, or so forth? You know, uh, aren't those audiences also worth to investigate, worth to be represented in, you know, in general, and in the media, of course? Um, explore. I would recommend to explore the uh, the Latino audience in general and really study their complexities and, and their similarities among Latinos from <clears throat> different parts of uh, Latin America from here with their different experiences and backgrounds. I would also recommend to um, explore the audiences that are in the ages uh, that are beyond the 18 to 24 years old audience, I think there is a potential for uh, success with content, um, with these this particular audiences that are not really acknowledged in the media. And uh, the other one, I think, is to really be, uh, you know, work with talent in the arts, whether filmmakers or not, that you found, find yourself very uh, compelled to tell a story, that you find yourself at that content level, really, you think that you believe in the project, you really, you, you're really, uh, you know, completely at, attached to that in a personal level because there is, you find that the story is really worth it to be told. Mabel, Mabel, thank you for joining us today. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Mabel Valdivieso, principal of Haiku Films, who discussed producing and marketing films for Hispanic audiences. Brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your comments and suggestions, questions or ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.